<clears throat> so, um, where's James? James, my son James. James, come here a minute. <clears throat> so, um, as I start, I want to tell you about something that um, has been a, happening in our house lately. Um, it's a little disturbing sometimes because what happens is that we can have someone coming around, polite company, and uh, and I can be talking to them, and James will quietly walk up behind me like a hyena, and then suddenly, while I'm talking, I get that sound. And... <laughs> And as you can imagine, it's very slightly embarrassing. Thank you, James, for embarrassing me. And, I mean, this is a great icebreaker, very hilarious and all of that. Um, but here's a question. What would happen if I tried to use the same icebreaker and use hand flatulence um, if I was in a, an important business meeting? Um, I sell software for a living. Yay, exciting. Let's say that I was um, trying to sell software to um, pick a big company, Nedbank. Okay, so I'm trying to sell to Nedbank. The first meeting, I'm in the boardroom, the chief financial officer is there, and I sneak behind him and get my hands. How do you think that would go down? Like a lead balloon. It wouldn't go down well. But why? Because it was funny before. Why is it not funny now? What's different? And the answer is that you'd rather hope that by the time I'm in a business meeting, I've left the jokes of kids behind. You'd rather hope that I'm a little bit more mature when I'm in a professional meeting. This morning, I want to talk about spiritual maturity. And you might think that was a silly example to start with, and it is a silly example, but it is actually saying something important because too often a lot of us are still acting like kids in our spiritual walk. We aren't growing up. We aren't doing the things that we should be doing. We're doing the things we did when we were kids, spiritually. Now, Lucas recently was talking from uh, Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to read it because I want us to understand something about the importance of maturity and how it links to unity. We've been hearing a lot about how we're doing things together. One heart, one vision, right? You've caught that message recently, right? From the elders about moving together. You know, a church of one body and one people. But... Our own maturity can affect that. If I can just get uh, Ephesians chapter 4, 11 to 15 up. And I'm going to read it. Now, you all know Ephesians 4, 12, right? Obviously, 4, 12. Yeah, okay, right? But we're going to read a bit more. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children 
tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So there are people trying to equip us, right? There are people who are trying to bring us in to unity and into maturity. So by extension, do you realize that if we are immature, it's going to get in the way of that unity? Does that make sense? If we're immature and we're not growing, we can't reach that unity that we're trying to get to. And we've got these people trying to equip us. So one of the things that came through this morning was that thing of self-reflection, being honest with ourselves. So let's be honest with ourselves. There's a body of people right now. Can you give me just a couple of examples of things which show spiritual immaturity that you think affects the unity of the body? Give me an example. What behavior affects the unity of the body? Gossip. Good one. All right? So if we've got gossiping, talking badly of other people, um, actually, as a lot of it is to do with thinking the worst of them. Um, it's not godly. Often we gossip because it makes us feel better. <laughs> but actually, it doesn't make God feel better. And it damages the unity. Gossip is childish behavior. That's not spiritually mature. Any others? Judging. Yeah. So judging, so putting yourself over someone else and judging what they do and say. Being critical, really, of other people. You know, the Bible puts it, you know, don't take a speck out of your brother's eye when you've got a plank in your own. It affects the unity. It affects the harmony. Other things would be things like constantly taking offense. If you're constantly taking offense of things, you know, it always reminds me... um, I know this is terrible. It's terrible. And I know, and I'll ask for forgiveness. But you know when someone says something like, oh, well, so-and-so said something, and I was really offended by what they said, right? I, I know they're saying something serious, and I know there's something real there. But I can't help hearing, you know, well, and uh, and they're not coming to my sixth birthday party. You know, because it's, it's childish behavior. It is childish. You know, spiritually mature people, we should grow past that. Yes, there's real things we need to deal with, so let's deal with them. Let's not just take offense. That's six-year-old behavior. Why are we doing that? Patterns of sin would be another. People who are caught in the same pattern of sin again and again and again, and they're going round, okay? You know, you can understand if you've got a little kid and you tell them not to pick their nose, but they pick their nose for the hundredth time in front of you. It's a habit. They're a kid, you know? But for us, if we're caught in patterns of sin, we need to break those things. Old habits that we just can't get rid of. Maybe not sinful, but we just can't get rid of them. How about this one? This is a tough one. What about if you're really, really good at filling a pew, but you're really not good at filling a need? So maybe you've been in church a while, and you've been receiving a lot of things that's been given to you. But you know there's needs, and you're not volunteering. You're not filling that need. That is going to affect the unity. That's a lack of maturity. And then there's always pride. 
which is that big old one. Pride affects unity when we're grasping for things, prestige. Here's the thing, though. Sometimes we tend to think of these as personal things. I've taken offense. It doesn't affect anyone else. You know, oh, I, I don't want to do that thing. If you walk with a limp, it affects the unity. We all walk with a limp. It's serious. And it might seem that I'm being really heavy about this, but it is heavy. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it is heavy. Can you just put Ephesians 4 back on the screen? I want to focus on one aspect of spiritual maturity this morning. And to do so, I want to use this verse as actually a bit of a warning of a trap that I think we fall into. You see, where it talks about being brought into spiritual maturity and and those kind of things and unity, it starts with this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, etc., etc. So what that's telling us is that all we need to do for spiritual maturity is listen to Andrew and the elders and prophetic words and things, And if we listen to those, we're automatically going to come into full spiritual maturity, right? Right? Thank you. Austin points out that I shouldn't have have said evangelist as well. But here's the thing. The trap is this. We read this verse and we sometimes think that our spiritual maturity is dependent on these folks. It's not. Sure, you know, there are great, great blessings, and I don't want to speak ill of that. In fact, I would say in uh, in Josh Jen, we're actually overly blessed. You know, you've got apostles like Andrew and Will. You've got um, teachers like the Mikey D's. Mikey D's, Mike Davies, Mike Doffey. Um, you've got people like um, Julie and Milani who are, you know, prophetesses into the church. And you've got all these people that equip us. And the problem is that sometimes... I think that what we do is that we rely on these gifts for our spiritual growth rather than finding God for ourselves. We have this thing where we move from meeting to meeting, podcast to podcast, article to article, and all the time you're consuming someone else's revelation. We're trying to find spiritual maturity. We're trying to grow up in someone else's revelation. Now, uh, do hear me on this. I'm, I'm really not saying that these things aren't good, right? Don't, don't say, oh, well, Dan said that we shouldn't be listening to Andrew. Okay. I'm not saying that. Okay. Do listen to Andrew and Will and do listen to prophetic words and do all those things. They're good. They'll help you in your spiritual walk. You will grow. Okay. But let me ask you a question. Are you a Christian or an Andrewsian? Are you a Christian or a Mikesian? In Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, he was actually talking about exactly this. Now, just to give a bit of background, um, the Corinthians were squabbling a lot, like children, funnily enough. Um, And one of the things they were doing is that they were following teachers. So they were chasing the teachers rather than actually dealing with themselves. Okay, They They were looking to someone else for their growth. If I can just get 1 Corinthians 3, 1 to 7 up. And this is what Paul says to them. But I, brothers, 
could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, because you weren't ready for it. And even now you're not ready, for you're still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving in only a human way? For when, when, when one says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So here's the thing. (laughs) Your leaders can help equip you. We should honor them for their work, and they do work very, very hard. They hear from God. They're dedicated to God to hear things for us, to help equip us. But your leaders, your elders, they cannot walk out your faith for you. It's up to you. You have to reach spiritual maturity yourself. Now, they can set an example for you, and that's good. Um, In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, Paul says this. He says, be imitators of me, So we're supposed to be Paulsians, right? Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So he's saying, yes, you know, he was an amazing gift of the church. He actually boasts in some of his letters about what an incredible gift he is. And he is. But even he says, imitate me, but actually just imitate Christ in me. That's who you should be imitating. In fact, if you look at that verse and read it in context, you can go home and read it yourself. Just before that, he's actually telling the Corinthians to make their own mind up about something. He's actually saying, look, do the right thing. I'm not telling you what to do. Figure it out for yourself. But all I'm telling you is this. When you do that thing, do it like Christ. The elders won't necessarily be telling you what to do. They'll just be setting an example of how you should do things. I'm going to be blunt for a moment, if I may. If you think I haven't been blunt yet, I'm going to get blunter. Sorry. Not sorry. So I'm going to say something which is going to be maybe a little uncomfortable. I think the reality is, secretly, all of us actually do want to be equipped by the elders and the leaders. And we do just want to sit there and grow automatically. I think it requires less from us. Because if we can just take what they give us and consume it and think that's the answer, then we don't have to do very much, do we? It's all up to the elders. They can prepare the preachers. They can do the prayer. They can organize the community groups. The community leaders can come and feed us every week. The prophetesses and prophets can come and prophesy over us. All these people can do all these things and we can consume, consume, consume. But we really don't have to do very much. We put everything on the church. It's easy. It's easy Christianity. We're not going to grow. Even more than that, I'll tell you what else that does. If we put everything, all the responsibility on our growth onto other people, what happens when we fail? Whose fault is it? It's theirs. It's not ours. I'm leaving the church because they didn't equip me properly. I'm caught in this sin because I haven't been discipled well. 
I went down here when I shouldn't have because I didn't receive a prophetic word. The mistakes we make aren't our fault. They're someone else's. It's childish thinking. This isn't what God's called us to. And in order for us to reach spiritual maturity, God has given us two incredible gifts. More incredible than Andrew. More incredible than Manani. Even more incredible than Mike Davies, even though he's British. God has given us two incredible gifts. And if you ask those people, they'll say the same. These two gifts are more incredible than they are. These two gifts he's given us are his word and his spirit. So I want to talk about the word this morning and just a few points on how I think that can help us with our spiritual maturity. Before I do that, I just want to illustrate this with one point or a question. So um, I'm going to ask you to be honest. Okay, I'm going to be honest. Um, who has listened to a talk or read an article by one of the 412 elders in the last month? Okay, or who's listened to a preach or an article, read an article or anything by an apostle somewhere in the church, like a John Piper or anyone? Who's listened to a preach in the last month? Really? Only about four of you have listened to a preach in the last month. You've not been in church. Pretty much all of you will have heard a preach or read something or done something in the last month. Okay, You'll have followed the teaching of the apostles, which is good. Acts 2.42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. But here's a question for you. Think about the things that you've read or listened or the number of preachers that you've sat in and heard someone preaching. Did you know that in the Bible there are 27 books either written by or about the apostles, big A apostles, the apostles? How dedicated have you been to their teaching? How much have you actually got your nose stuck into this and looked for teaching in here and not teaching via somebody else? Because you know what? When I read this, I don't get Andrew's revelation. I get the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And the thing I worry about is that we're trying to reach spiritual maturity by consuming other people's thoughts and revelations. I'm going to make a controversial statement. Feel free to come up to me at the end and argue with me if you don't agree with this. But I don't believe you will ever deal with the issues in your own spiritual walk. That includes those snails and those hyenas that we were talking about earlier. I don't believe you will ever properly deal with them until you find God for yourself in the pages of that book and through the Spirit. Now, I know it might seem as if I've been bashing you a bit. Um, Sorry. But I'm going to try and flip it around and talk about the positive side, right? So I think it's important, and I I love the word that came from Alan this morning about self-reflection, because 
I think that as life goes by, we sometimes forget just about those things that we need to deal with in our life. I know I do. You know, I wake up, I go to work, I do the things I need to do. You know, I have breakfast with my family. It's so easy to forget the fact that there are things I need to deal with, things that I need to take captive in my thought. I think sometimes we do need to self-reflect and realize there are things in us that are immature. That's not about your age. It doesn't matter if you're 10 or if you're 100 sitting here. There will be things in you that are immature that are not fully grown up in Christ. We have to identify it, name it. Then we can move past it. We can deal with it. We have to understand it. So, um, for those of you that don't know, I am uh, from the Baptist tradition. So, I'm old school, reformed, sorry. Um, So, because of that, I grew up with a great love of the Word of God. So, I want to talk to you this morning about just one aspect of spiritual maturity. And that is how the Word of God will help you in your spiritual maturity and dealing with those things in your lives. And to do so, I'm going to use Psalm 119. Not all of it. (laughs) Just a little bit. So um, you may be aware, but um, Psalm 119 is actually an acrostic. Basically, it's, uh, it's the Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters. So Psalm 119 is divided into 22 sections, each of eight verses, and each of the ones starts with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet, okay? Just a bit of background. We're going to look at one letter this morning. We're going to look at mem. That's where we get our letter M from, for those of you wondering. Mem, okay? So I'm going to give you five brief points that I think will help you on your walk, and I'm going to use Psalm 119, Mem, to help you. So firstly, we have to love the word. Can I get Psalm 119, verse 97? Thank you. We have to love the word. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Now, for some of you, getting into the Bible might be quite daunting. It's a it's a big book. But it's actually a, it's a library, right? It's a library of books. Maybe you don't read very fast. You know, maybe just reading was never your thing. Uh, maybe you're new to the faith and the idea of getting stuck into the Bible, you know, you wouldn't know where to start. And I'll be honest, some of the books of the Bible are pretty meaty. Um, so there are some maybe you wouldn't start. But I want to say this, wherever you're coming from, don't let that put you off getting stuck into the word of God. You have to learn to love the word. By way of illustration, um, I'm sure some of you enjoy um, series on TV or movie series, right? Like, you know, the Marvel movies are something that I've enjoyed and things like that, okay? So there's been things that you've enjoyed. I'll bet that when you first started that thing, maybe you didn't quite get into it to start with, but you persevered. People said, no, no, watch until episode three, then it gets better. And you pushed through, then you started really enjoying it, and now you've binged watched all ten series and cried at the end because there was no more. Um, maybe you've, you've been watching movies and like there was, ah, oh, those two movies, yeah, Iron Man 2 sucked, but you know, I've really enjoyed the rest. And think, the point is, is that you go back to these things because you've learned to love these things. These are just movies. This is fiction. What about the word of God, which describes God himself, the savior of your life? The very words of eternal life are in there. Shouldn't you be falling in love with that? Do we really think the excuse of, oh, I find it hard to get into, oh, I don't know, some bits are a bit tricky. Really? 
Learn to love it. For me, I would say, just find somewhere to start. Pick it up. Don't pick it up and start in Leviticus. No, don't go there. Um, Also, don't start with Paul's letters. I don't know about you, but when I read Paul's letters, it's like, you know, he says, and so I need to tell you that it's going to be important that you recognize the importance of coming from the importance, such that it will be important that the important thing that I tell you will be important to you. And I'm like, what did you say, Paul? He didn't say that, but he says things like that, right? Don't go there. Um, Start with Genesis. Start with Matthew. Talk to your community leader and say, where should I start? Maybe even say, will you start with me? Just like, send me some verses every day or something. Start somewhere. I once tried to read the Bible in a year. I say tried because I didn't finish. Um, I started with Genesis, though. I'll tell you what happened when I started with Genesis. Um, You're supposed to read a couple of chapters a day. And so, like, day one, I read two chapters. Day two, I read two chapters. Day three, I was getting hooked. It's like, I couldn't put this down. I don't know if you ever read Genesis, like, really read it like a book. It's this incredible stories of like Abraham and Isaac and their families and their triumphs and their tribulations. And it's, it's beautiful. By I think it was day three or four, I ended up just reading and reading and reading. And I finished it like four o'clock in the morning with chapter 50 of Genesis. And I cried my eyes out. Sobbed. It's beautiful. God working through those people. I fell in love with Genesis. I, I, even now when I read Genesis, I, I know these guys now. I know these families. I, I know what happened. I feel it. It wouldn't have happened if I didn't pick it up and start reading. You can't get that receiving it from somebody else. You have to pick it up for yourself. Open your heart to the word. Secondly, we have to learn the word. Psalm 119 verse 98 says this. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies. For it is ever with me. It's ever with me. Um, when I was at school, I sat a chemistry exam. Uh, who knows anything about chemistry here? Any chemists? Got a couple. All right. Chemistry is split into two things, inorganic and organic chemistry. In organic chemistry, there's a part of organic chemistry called aromatic compounds. They're smelly. That's why they're called aromatic. Petrol is aromatic compounds. And that's why it's smelly. It's a tiny part of the syllabus, and I struggled. I didn't get aromatic compounds. It was just, phew. So you know what I did? I didn't didn't, uh, revise it. I just skipped it. I did all the rest. Skipped that. I only needed 50% in my final exam to pass. When the exam came, 20 questions, 16 of them on aromatic compounds. I failed chemistry that year with a grade N, which means near miss, which means I missed it by less than a percent. Um, I also took it the next year and I failed again with an N, but that's a separate story. The point is this, is that I committed to only learning the things I wanted to learn, and I skipped the rest, and I didn't learn it. When the pressure came on, I didn't have the answers, because I hadn't learned it. That was just a chemistry exam, but it's exactly the same in life. When the pressure comes on, where are you going to get your answers from? When the pressure came on to Jesus during his temptation, where did he get his answers from? 
devil came and tempted him, said, if you do this, if you do that, if you do the other. Jesus used the words in the Bible to answer in his time of pressure. Now, at this point, you're going to say, are you suggesting, Dan, that we learn the entire Bible? No, (laughs) I'm not. Cool, if you can, it'd be great. But what I would say is this, you need to learn the word so that there are important things you can recall and use when the pressure comes on. Things that tell you about who you are in Christ. Things that tell you about who God is. Things that tell you about what Jesus did for you. Things that help you tell other people about what Jesus has done. These are verses and passages you have to learn. Commit them to memory. Make them your own. The words of the Bible carry so much more power than the words of man. I'm going to come back to the same thing again. These people that can equip you, they can give you great stories, great anecdotes. When the pressure is on, you're not going to want the words of Andrew or the words of Will. You're going to want the words of God on your tongue. Thirdly, linger on the word. Linger on the word. Verse 99 of Psalm 119. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. Recently, I was loading some photos onto Google, and um, I was just loading them up. I wasn't trying to do anything with them. But as I was loading these photos and they were going past, I started looking at them. Because, hey, old photos. It's like back when I first met Renee, when we used to do things like go on roller coasters and go to air shows and, you know, concerts and funky things. Um, and uh, I was looking at these and I was just having, I was just remembering memories and the hours was passing as I was browsing through these photos. I was just spending time with them. It was great. I didn't have a purpose. I was just reading them. Sometimes it's good to do that with the word of God. <laughs> Don't go there with a purpose because you need an answer to something. Just linger. Enjoy it. Don't hurry it. Um, some people do these Bible reading plans where they try and read you know, two chapters a day every day for you know, a year. Or I'm not saying that's a bad thing. You feel free to do that. But don't make that your experience of God's word. Linger. I'll tell you what I do. Sometimes I read a passage, two or three verses. I read it. I'm like, uh, what? Okay, put it down. I'm going to pray. I pray. Two, three minutes. I pick it up. Read it again. What? No. Put it down. I pray again. The next day, I'll come to my quiet time. I'll pick it up. I don't go to the next verse. I read that one again. Okay, God, what are you saying here? What does this mean? Read it, read it, read it. Pray. You know what happens when I do that? It's amazing. It's almost like God wants you to find him, like have a bit of effort. Because sometimes I'm doing that. And on day three or four of the same verse, I haven't moved past that. I'm still on the same one. Suddenly I look at it and I'm like, wow, you're really, that's what you're saying. Oh, oh. And I'm just blown away by the beauty of God's truth that I've read there that I've missed for the previous three days. Because I lingered on the word. Linger. Don't rush. I find it interesting the psalmist says there that he has more understanding than all his teachers. Can you just get that verse back, 99? He says, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies 
are your meditation. You can't rely on other people's revelations. You can go onto YouTube, find hundreds and thousands of hours of Bible teachers that will tell you all kinds of stuff. It's just stuff. I'm not saying there's no value in it. But if you want real understanding, you have to linger in the word yourself. We love the word. We learn the word. We linger on the word. Then, and this is where maturity comes in, we can live the word. Can I get verse 100 and 101? See, until this point, the psalmist is just talking about the beauty of what he does in the word. Now he says this, I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. So now he's saying it's practical. Now he's saying this stuff that he's reading in the word is now becoming spiritual maturity. Because now he's doing the right things. I'm going to put it to you that if you devote yourself to the word of God, if you learn to fall in love with the word, to learn from it, to linger in it, I'm going to tell you there is no way you cannot change. You will change. God will talk to you. God's presence will compel you to change. No amount of equipping can change you like the way you can change when you have your own revelation through the word of God. I spoke earlier about the signs of immaturity, you know, things like taking offenses and um, patterns of sin and things like that. Did you know the Bible is full of those stories? <laughs> it is. It's like there's people mess up all the time. There's people who are lazy. There's people who have patterns of sin. Uh, there's people that come a real cropper. Um, like spectacularly, and then God restores them. Is that just in the Bible, or is it your story too? It's my story. I relate. So wouldn't it be a good idea for me to read those stories so that I can understand how God restores? And here's the incredible thing, the last point. The psalmist loves the word. <laughs> I don't know who wrote this psalm. But they think it was probably David. They don't know. But he's like, he's just, he's saying so much about the, the word. He's just, he loves it. He loves the word. He loves the word. Did you know he had something? He, sorry, he didn't have something you do have. You've got something he didn't. You have the Holy Spirit within you to help you understand those words. So my last point is this, listen to the Spirit. Can I get verse 102 up? 102. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. Does it say there, I do not turn aside from your rules because Andrew's taught me, Will's taught me, someone else has taught me? No. God teaches us. God's Holy Spirit has a personal relationship with us. Other people may plant seeds. But God makes it grow. When I was growing up, I loved to read the Bible. Um, because I grew up in the Baptist church, we didn't really have an understanding of the Holy Spirit as a personal relationship kind of thing, the way that we would hear. So I would read the words of God, but they were just words. When I finally started talking to the Holy Spirit and reading the word of God, you know what it was like? Imagine a book being read to you by the author. 
Imagine a piece of classical music being conducted by the composer. Suddenly, there was life. The meaning, the intent, the beauty of the words in the pages sprung out at me when the Holy Spirit started speaking to me through it. When the psalmist wrote the poem, which we now call Psalm 119, the Holy Spirit hadn't yet been poured out. Now he has. Every single one of you in this room, if you know Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit within you. And when you open those words, get ready to fall in love with the word as the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Start somewhere. Just open it. Start to read. I started off by saying that many of us are still crying out for baby milk and we're not growing as we should. If that's you this morning and you know there are things you're struggling with, you know that you're not where you should be, get into the word of God every day. Five minutes, 15 minutes, 50 minutes, whatever you can manage, doesn't matter, but just start, get into it. The psalmist finishes the eight verses of the Mem chapter with these two verses that declare the beauty of God's word. Can I get 103 and 104? I love this. How sweet are your words to my taste? Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. When we see the sweetness of God's word, we will learn to hate every false way. And if we hate every false way, what's that going to do to our lives? It's going to change us. We're going to grow in spiritual maturity. As we grow in spiritual maturity, we grow in unity. And we're better able to represent Christ to the church around. We're all sinners. We all live to some degree. Of course we do. But I've seen that when people fall in love with the word, <laughs> it changes them. When I learned to fall in love with the word, it, it changed me. The Holy Spirit came and ministered into me in a most powerful way that I've never experienced before. My question to you this morning is, are you ready for that? <laughs> are you willing to allow yourself to fall in love with the word, to learn it? to linger in the word, to live it, and to listen to the spirit. I think this morning, if, um, if this is something you want to commit to, to love God's word, I'd love to pray for us, just as a sign of commitment that we can do that. Is that okay? If you're willing to do this, would you stand with me? I'm standing, because I want to do this. I want to redouble my, my efforts to find God in the word. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much that you've given us your word, that there's life, there's beauty, there's grace, that we can learn from you and about you in those pages, Lord. And not only that, but you've given us your Holy Spirit to speak to us, to minister to us. And Lord, for every one of us standing here this morning, this morning we are going to commit to opening our word and seeking your face for ourselves. Lord, we do commit ourselves to our elders, to our leaders. We commit ourselves to their teaching. We commit ourselves to how they watch over us and look over us. But Lord, we also recognize that you've given us the responsibility to find you ourselves. And Lord, this morning, we commit to do that. Lord, give us the strength. Give us the vision. Give us the heart. Help us to see you. And Lord, 
as we fall in love with the word, may we just fall in love with you all over again. Yes, Lord. Amen.